Hey, what's up? Thanks for taking time on your journey of life to stop and listen to the Hilton Castle Mission Podcast. This is an interview with our brothers and sisters in the Lord, and I hope it encourages you and blesses you and helps you grow in your understanding of Jesus and how we can transform and change your life. Well, let me give you a warm welcome to the Hilton Castle Mission podcast. It's great to have you listening to us or watching us, however you have found us. I hope you find this uh, a blessing and encouragement and may God bless you with what we're about to do. We've got another special interview today. We've got our good friend, Gary Kelly. It's good to have you, Gary. Thank you very much, Keith. Good to be with you. It's great. Where are we speaking to you from today? I am halfway up a mountain in a place called Tabiesco in Lanzarote. Wow. <laughs> Only halfway up the mountain, though. Yeah. <laughs> Do you ever hope to get to the top? Or? No, hopefully not. Because <laughs> <laughs> okay. it's a bit windy up there, mate. <laughs> it's great. Well, it's great to have you with us. I'm going to just uh, ask you to do what I ask pretty much every one of our guests. Can you just tell us about your journey to finding Jesus, and then we'll talk about that more in depth later on. Yeah, no problem at all. Um, I grew up in Belfast in the Troubles in 1965. Um, I was born, so I'm 55, 56 this year. So my my childhood was uh, revolved around East Belfast, right in the heart of the Troubles. And to be truthful, I had a, a, a wonderful childhood. Obviously, my life was um, affected by, by the troubles, but in the main, and my life and my family was in fact affected by the troubles, but in the main, I had a, a wonderful childhood. And during that time, as growing up as a, an ordinary Irishman, you were dragged to church twice, three times on a Sunday, Sunday school and all the rest of it. And I went to a little church called the Church, church of the Pentecost, which was a Church of Ireland church um, in, in East Belfast. And so I had a, a foundational, I'd say, understanding of, of Jesus Christ, of the Christian faith. And I, I grew up in that. And I grew up knowing about the Father and the Son, but very little about the Holy Spirit, to be truthful. But I still had a, a foundation of, of the, the Christian faith. And I remember going to a tent meeting, a gospel outreach meeting when I was, well, I was in the early teens, to be truthful. And I made a commitment to Jesus then. But if I'm being truthful, Keith, um, it wasn't, I don't believe, looking back on my life now, that I believe that I made a full commitment to, to serving God and asking him into my life. I believe it was, I was caught up in the emotion of, of things at this crusade and I didn't really repent um, if I'm being honest and look back, looking back on things now. So I was caught up in the emotional side of, of Christianity and I thought I was saved, but the reality of it was looking back on it now, I, I don't believe it was. But I still had that understanding of, of Jesus Christ. And as, as my life went on, um, I ended up, um, I always wanted to join the Royal Navy. But I ended up joining the Royal Marines and I left home um, at the age of 17 and a half and, and joined the Royal Marines, uh, Royal Marines Commando. And 
that was a, a, a really strange time because I left in the troubles and within a year of passing out of training, the Royal Range training at that time was eight months. And I was back on the streets of Belfast. So I left with a Bible in my suitcase and I ended up going back to Belfast with a rifle in my hand. Oh. So I, I um, served back home in Northern Ireland on a few, a few occasions. And to be honest with you, as I was growing up, I grew up with my mum and dad and my sister and my grandmother. She lived with us in this little council estate. And I was very close to my grandmother. And um, whilst I was away in the Marines, she developed cancer. And uh, subsequently, she died. And this had a real, a real impact on me. Um, and I just totally rebelled against everything, to be honest with you. I came back from the Marines and attended her funeral and all that. And um, I rebelled totally against God, against everything. I just went off the rails. Because I loved her and I remember standing in the back garden screaming out, why have you taken her from me? I don't believe in you anymore and all this sort of stuff. And um, it deeply affected me and troubled me and I, I had a knock-on effect in the years that I served in the Royal Marines. And I went through my career in the Royal Marines and everything went, you know, I was caught up in the world, caught up in lots of things served in Northern Ireland a lot, um, was involved in, in special work in Northern Ireland as my career was coming to an end. And that time when I was working, doing different work, um, I, I was changing. I, I had changed from the person I knew. Obviously, as you grow older, you, you know, you, you do change, but I was really caught up in the world and during some of the experiences I've had there, I realised when I've had time to reflect where this God who I was rebelling against and didn't really believe in, he had his hand upon me on quite a few occasions. But I, I subsequently got injured and I, after served 20 years in the Marines and I had to come out mm. and I couldn't go back into the work that I was doing. I, I had to leave the forces, which um, wasn't, wasn't good at the time, but I knew it was, that my time was coming to an end. And my wife, Debs, and my two daughters. Um, and I ended up going into law. But there was, time, there was a time in my, the latter part of my career where I realized that God really had his hand on me. And I met a, I met a person as when I was working in England. And he, he said to me, I'll never forget it. He said to me, there's something different about you. Gary and, and but I can't put my finger on it. And there, at that time, he was telling me things about my mother in, in Belfast. That, and I'd never met this bloke before. And it really freaked me out. And he was saying, he was telling me things about my life. And I thought, my goodness me, this, one, this is just not right. But as, as the relationship went on, and he, he invited me to go and work with him um, to leave the Marines or leave the work I was doing and go and work for him. But I said no. And I remember at that time, he said to me, he was, he was into the prosperity gospel, mm. but I didn't, I didn't think he was a pastor or anything, or he was a preacher. He, he used to travel around the world with these charismatic and um, Pentecostal um, teachers, and he mentioned Benny Hinn. I never heard of this guy, Benny Hinn, and he mentioned another few people. He said he's been to Hawaii and all this sort of stuff, and, and I asked my mum, who's, who's welcome to the Lord, she still is. 
um, about these people and says, yep, they are Pentecostal, or sorry, the charismatic and prosperity preachers in America. And he prayed a prayer for me and he, and I'll never forget it. I was in this little place in, in South Armagh, Northern Ireland, and the phone went and it was him. And he said to me, he's, and I, I rejected his offer to work for him. And he said, um, I'd like to pray for you, Gary. And I said, are you a Christian? And he goes, well, I'd like to pray for you. He never answered me. And he said, I wish I pray. This is, this, my goodness me, this is back in 2000, 2001. And he said something like this. He said, I pray that the God gives you everything that you ask for. I pray that he gives you all the financial reward that you need and you're abund abundantly blessed with financial blessings. And my alarm bells are immediately started ringing. Now, bear in mind, I turned away from God. And, but there was a foundational faith that I had had and I just put it on the back burner. But immediately came to my mind, I thought, this isn't right. And I knew from that point on, and this guy was very, very wealthy, offered me everything, um, um, but I just said no. Mm. And it was from that point then I knew that God had had his hand on my life. And there was things that went on in the Marines, and you know, I won't dwell on that now, but incidents had happened. And I never, I think back on it now, I know that the Lord has had his hand on me, even though I turned away from him. Um, I went into law, studied uh, law, studied, uh, became a police station representative in criminal defence, worked for a solicitor's firm in Plymouth, set up my own company. But do you know what? I was never contented, Keith. Yeah. I always had this deep discontentment about absolutely everything. I had a beautiful wife. She still is beautiful. Two beautiful children, two girls. Um, but I was never content, never happy. I was always striving to do things. Um, for me and I think when I look back on that as well it was um, um, I wasn't really acknowledged as a, a young as a boy for the person that I was if you know what I mean I was never I, I felt that I wasn't really good enough yeah. and I know that, that might sound a bit rough coming from a Christian family but that's the way I felt at times so I um, was working in the law and there was one day where there was a big bus going through the city centre in Plymouth and it had an alpha course on it. And I thought to myself, what on earth is that all about? Something about, you know, the main, exploring the meaning, meaning of life. Well, I was, I just let, let it be. And my mother-in-law, um, she became seriously ill and... Um, I wasn't walking with the Lord, nor was anybody in my, my family. Uh, and, and in England anyway, my mum and dad were back home. Um, but we had to care for her. And we were doing like a night shift up in the hospital. And I remember going in this night, it was my turn. And I, I used to feed her these little pieces of um, sponge soaked in water, yeah. put them on her lips. And I, we, we, as a family, we took it in turns to spend the night with her and leave her be the next day. Anyway, this after this night shift that I'd done, um, I then drove home and on my way home, and I can't put it, I can't explain it any other way. It wasn't a still small voice. It wasn't an audible voice. It was nothing like that. But I, I just believed and felt in my heart that I had to go and speak to Margaret about Jesus Christ. 
Now, <laughs> this was a real bolt out of the blue for me. And I thought, well, I don't even know if I believe in God anymore or, or this Jesus and all this sort of stuff. But I came back to, to Deb's my wife and I explained to her what um, I believed I had to do. And she says, well, you're better off going to do it. So, um, and bear in mind, none of us were walking with the Lord or anything like that. But on the way back up to the hospital, I rang my mum and I said, mum, I don't even know if I believe in God anymore. All that sort of stuff. And I said, well, you know, what, what should I do here? She said, well, he will give you the words to say, just go and say it. I thought, oh, here we go. So I remember getting into the, 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 whole, the hospital room and Margaret was lying on the bed with um, her husband, Frank, um, beside her. And, and I said, dear Margaret, you're going to think I'm off my head here because they know me as a bit of a drinker and a bit of a party animal. I said, but I need to speak to you about Jesus Christ and salvation. And I don't know where that came from, Keith, I'll be honest with you. Um, and I just explained the gospel to her. And this is her, her exact words to me. She says, Gary, or she said Spike's son, because he always used to call me Spike. I've had a chat with him and I know exactly where I'm going and he's going to look after me. Well, that totally rocked my boat because Margaret um, never professed any kind of faith mm. at all in any way, shape or form. And that really tipped me right over the edge. And her death had a real profound effect on me as a man. And I then started to question things about who I was. And I remember I'd been out on the beer one night with the solicitors and I came back home and I looked in the mirror this, this morning. And sorry, just to go on from that, Margaret passed away. Um, it, it was either that, that early hours of that morning or the day after she, she died. Um, and I, I remember going out and I was on the beer and um, I remember looking in the mirror this morning before I went into work and I looked in the mirror and I thought, who am I? What have you become? What, you know, what, what is this all about? I couldn't shake off the fact that Margaret um, has professed a faith in Jesus. She'd repented of her sins and she was going to be with him. And I was just all over the place if I'm being truthful. I then attended an Alpha course and um, <laughs> that had a, a real knock-on effect on my life and and that of my wife as well, Debs, and we both went to this Alpha course together. And there was a Southwest Bible week at the end of this Alpha course, and it was October um, 7th to 10th of October 2003. And there was a guy called Greg Haslam, and he was coming to preach, um, and he was preaching on the verses of Genesis 32 with Jace, uh, Jacob wrestling with God at the Jabbok. Well, I said to Debs, I'm only going to go for one night. Well, I was there the whole week because it felt like every single night he was preaching directly to me. Mm. And I remember there was a, um, an altar call and my goodness me, before I knew it, I was kneeling at the front of that altar and I, I couldn't get up. I was just stuck to the floor in this, this altar. And I remember Greg Haslam, he was from Westminster Chapel, and he came up and he put his hands on me. And my goodness me, he just said, told me everything about how I was feeling, where I was in my life. And I, the reason I'm saying I didn't, I didn't really come into a, an understanding 
I didn't believe I was saved back when I was in my teens because at that point, when I knelt at that altar, I repented. And true repentance really um, enabled me to see who I was and see who God was and what he was offering me. And, and there was a renewing of my mind and I continued to, to grow in that understanding of what true repentance was. So that was back then. And, and since then, my journey with um, Jesus has really, it's gone. Great. Before it has we, gone. Uh, before we go into the journey ahead, because I know there's exciting stuff. And um, Can I just ask a few questions going backwards? Is that all right? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So... When you say you grew up in the Troubles, um, they was they were started by religious disagreements, weren't they, in Northern Ireland? Yes. And yes. So was that hard? Is there um, be going to Sunday school knowing that there's there's fights over what you may be getting taught and stuff, or or did you not think about it that much? Or? No, I did. To be honest, I did think about it, and that's a so that's a good question actually because. I could never really understand why there was so much hatred towards Roman Catholics. And I, I was, I grew up in the Protestant tradition and, and I was thinking, oh, well, hang on in here, the, the Christians, why, why do you hate um, fellow human beings the way you do? Yeah. And, you know, and, you know, there was a lot of stuff going on with, you know, the Reverend Ian Paisley and to be honest, he, he was a, a real man of God. I mean, there's things that I don't agree with now, but when, you know, in the latter part of his life, I mean, my goodness me, he, the Lord really used him to change people's lives. But I, I couldn't understand this Protestant Roman Catholic divide and um, the hatred that one side had for the other. And I, I must admit, I did not partake in that. Yeah. There was something that stopped me. And I believe it was God stopping me, um, showing this hatred towards um, fellow men. I, I, I just, I didn't have it, even when I was in the Marines and back in Northern Ireland serving. I knew there were bad people that we were working against, but I didn't hate them. Yeah, that's good. And when you, um, you said something that I think a lot of people who may have walked away from the Lord and they might even be listening and still away from the Lord, you said um, there was a death in the family and that really knocked your faith at a yeah, young yeah. age, what would you say to someone who says, you know what, I don't believe in God because I lost so-and-so in my life? How would you relate the gospel to them? Where, where I am now and what I've been afforded whilst I've been over here in, in Lanzarote is time to study the doctrines of God. And I... When I think about the holiness and the sovereignty of God, we as a creature have got no right. He, in his mercy, we, we live in his mercy every single day. He gives me breath in my body every single day. And yes, there are times when we are going to lose loved ones. And there's times where we're going to be, we're going to walk away from, from things that we believe in. But knowing where I am now, um, I had no right as a child and as a child of God now to, 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 to give off of God because he gives me the very breath in my body and he's a sovereign, 
holy God. And things in life happen. Things in life where you can't explain and one day in glory we'll understand why these things happened. But I would say to those who are struggling with things like us is, is to, to just ask him, seek more of him and ask him um, to give you peace in your heart. We're, we're not, we're this side of eternity, we're not going to understand everything, Keith. Yeah. And that's just, I've come to a place of, of understanding with that. You know, God's ways are higher than our ways in Isaiah 55, and we're, we're not going to understand things. We're just not. Um, but hold on to him. He's never, he's never going to leave you. And the, the, that's what I, my faith and my understanding, my walk with Jesus, I've come to know more and more and more that when you come into this relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, he is never, ever going to leave you. <laughs> and there's times where you think he's left me, but he doesn't. He, he doesn't leave you. So I would hold on to his garment and just um, ask him to give you peace. And hopefully that'll be enough for you. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, when you were in the Marines, you were saying, you, looking back now, you see God's hand on certain situations. Would you mind sharing one of those moments if you can with us? Or? Yeah, I mean, there's there was there was times where um, we were engaged in you know in shooting and and I there was a time when I was in Uri where I was on patrol and there was you know gunfire and there was I still see it now there was rounds flying past my head and and it just embedded behind me so and there's times where um thankfully nobody got injured there was times where um we were working in a police station when um some place called Corey square and i was in 4-2 commando at the time and that was a really terrible place really very very dangerous and as a commander unit we had just um, we were out on patrol and there was um, an incident happened where I can't remember the exact total of police officers that were killed, but the place was mortared and, and there was a, a serious number of police officers who were, who, were, who were killed, murdered as a result of, you know, terrorist actions. But the, I, there was other little incidents where you, you don't think anything of it, but I know now where... Um, God really had his hand on me and, and that goes on certainly when we get on to our, the, the later part of my testimony where that's really evident what's happened there yeah. and, and just one more bit on this little bit of the testimony then you, you've used the word uh, repent uh, quite a few times just for someone who isn't quite sure on that word how would you describe what repentance is and what's What's the difference between repenting and just saying a prayer? What's the difference? There's always oh, a massive difference. I mean, there's a <laughs> the salvation prayer flies around all over the place, and you know, and I know there's ministries who use this salvation prayer to lead people they think to um, salvation, and it's not. I'm, I'm sad to say, um, so repentance is coming to a deep understanding of your fallen sinful nature. It's God revealing 
his holiness and his glory to you in such a way that you, as a sinful person, realize that you're not worthy of God's grace. And he, in his mercy, shows you out of the kindness of his heart um, how far in sin that you have fallen. And when you come to that place of understanding and relationship with God, it brings you to a place where, certainly for me, that I wanted to draw closer and closer and closer to him. But I knew in my heart that me as a sinful fallen man, I couldn't get closer to God because he's pure. And I needed to ask God to forgive me and take all this sin from me. And by repenting with my own lips and understanding what's in my heart, um, I then repented of that, of my sin and my fallen nature. Yes, I continue to sin and thought, word and deed, but grace, the grace of God, it just passes all understanding and, and you can continue, you continue to repent. And the repentance is a renewing of your mind. So you, this thing called sanctification takes place when you accept the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit dwells within you. And as you grow in your relationship with God, you become more sanctified. He changes you by his spirit and more of the fruits of the spirit come to the fore. And that is, that is repentance, renewing of your mind. And I, I say to people, you know, I repent on a daily basis. And when you see a lot of wonderful men of God, they repented for hours every single day. Yeah. <laughs> it's something to really get your head around and understand. This, this repentance thing is not, it's not just saying things with your lips, Keith. It's a real change of heart. It's a change of your mind and understanding who you are and how far fallen in sin you are. And so now you've repented. And you said your life's kind of moved forward. What what are some what are some of those big changes, and how are you moving forward in the Lord? What is calling to you? I I've known for a long time that um, I've needed to serve God, but things get in the way. You know, um, family life gets in the way, careers get in the way. Um, I didn't think I was good enough to serve God. I wasn't intellectual enough. Um, but I then came to a turning point where I had my own successful business and I ended up ended, I ended up going to Afghanistan. So I packed the business in, business in law, and I ended up going to Afghanistan. And it wasn't for, it was for experience. I went for experience. I know I'm a Christian. I had my faith with me. I had the Lord with me. But when I was in Afghanistan, there was, I really understood the value of money because I, I saw how it can grip people's lives and, and they become greedy, self-centered, things that as a Christian we shouldn't be. And I was getting very well paid, but it came to a point where um, my experience and being away from my family, because I've been away from, from Debs for many years, um, but she understood I had to go and do this to get it out of my system as such. Um, and I went with the blessing of God, I must admit I did. 
And but I learned so much about myself while I was away. And my goodness me, and get, I I remember praying. I was in Kabul, and I used to read Psalm ninety one every single day. And this is where the hand of God being on you. <laughs> and I before I went out into Kabul, I flew all over the country in, in Afghanistan doing um, work, and I got this deep uneasiness where I knew I shouldn't be there anymore. Um, I wasn't, the money didn't bother me. I wasn't bothered by it. Um, it was nice to have it. And I saw other Christians who were, who were there as well with me working. I was working for the American government, so I wasn't, you know, doing any evangelical or anything like that. Um, and how they were getting, money was getting hold of them. And I, I prayed this prayer one day. I said, Lord, if you don't want me here anymore, because I don't believe you do, I want you to send a sign or something that will waken me up from my slumber and I'll go home. <laughs> uh, maybe it wasn't a good prayer to pray, to be honest. Um, and I'll, I'll cut a very long story short. Um, I was involved in a car bomb where I was um, probably 50 to 75 yards away. And I remember shrapnel flying past me. And I, I get up, Keith, and I... I didn't even panic. I, I didn't panic at all. I was in. I felt as I was in this this bubble, and I, I just walked. <laughs> I walked away, and I remember looking up and seeing this big um, car windscreen coming towards the group of us who were sitting together. And as a result of that action, there you know eight people died. Um, and I said, Lord, I, I'm I've I've got to serve you the rest of my days. So I ended up coming back home and um, things changed for me. I started reading my Bible more, started praying more. And I've known for a long time that uh, there has been a call on my life to serve God. But Lanzarote, my, I've been coming here with my wife for 29 years. And I remember Deb saying years ago, one day you'll have a little church here. I went, you what? You've got to be stupid, aren't you? <laughs> um, but four years ago, um, the Lord really spoke um, through Debs, my wife, and it brought us to a boast a deep place of understanding of, of what he was calling us to do. And all I can say is this, this calling, you know, I better, I can explain it this way. It's like a little coal, a little ember that's as a result of a, a fire. And this little ember within me wouldn't go out. It just wouldn't, no matter what I was doing, it just would not go out. It continued to burn and burn and burn. And the Holy Spirit, he was just blowing his breath onto this little ember and the flames were growing in this little ember and it started to consume me. And we then, two years ago now, we came out for a little break to have a look around and um, we decided to go back, put the house on the market and the rest is history. So we're, my two daughters are back in, the, in Cornwall in the UK and Debs and myself have been here for seven months now. I, I don't know what the calling is, Keith, of being truthful, but we're growing into it That's at the moment. Wow. Can I just go back a little bit on your story, if that's all right? So yeah. you, you said you were uh, there was a car bomb that went off and it was next to you and... What what initially goes through your mind when that happened, and then you were saying there was a piece of the 
Holy Spirit on you in that moment. But what what's going what's going on in your mind when this is going on? It was it was. I was sitting with two other Christians, just to say. It was a Sunday, and we um, I called on them. I said, "Oh, come on, we'll go for a coffee." Um, and it was as if time stood still. That that's the best way of explaining it. It was like a vacuum, where the life of things. It, everything just went silent. It was a massive explosion, obviously, but everything went silent. And and in my head, I knew it wasn't a good place to be. But I had this deep, deep peace that I was I was being protected. It was just it was just I can't even explain it. I, I read a book by a lady called I think it's Peggy Lee Joyce in Psalm ninety one where. She gathered all these stories of servicemen who'd served in the First, Second World War, um, Vietnam, and subsequent other um, conflicts. And the Christians who were praying, who prayed Psalm 91 every day before they were doing the battle, and how the Lord had kept his hand on them. It's, uh, honestly, if anybody's listening to this, have a look it up and read it. I, 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 <laughs> Psalm 91 has played a really important part in my life. Um, it's a it's a wonderful scripture and it, it just it just speaks of God's protection on me and um, I at that time when it, that happened everything just went still and I but I had a a peace and I was screaming and all sorts of and I just I didn't I didn't even react like that at all. Yeah. And then for you to have this calling just to leave your home and your security. You said your wife was a key part in that praying alongside you. How how key is that for you to have another spiritual partner in your life then working with you and praying with you about the stuff that you have to do? It's crucial for a man of God. I mean, Debs is a, a we've been together 26, 27 years now, I think. Um, I'm married 27 years. I think it's 26, 27. Anyway, don't, my maths at the minute is not good, Keith. But, <laughs> um, and to be to be fair, I was going to take up. I was I was invited to be a pastor um, four years ago in Lanzarote, and I was striving ahead. I was striving in my own will. I wasn't striving in God's will, and. And that's a place I do not ever want to go again. Uh, I can tell you that now because it's not a good place to be for a Christian striving in your own will. And unbeknown to me, Debs um, was praying that she 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 knew, she discerned that things weren't right and it wasn't the right time and it wasn't the right thing for me to do. And unbeknown to me, she was praying that... Um, the God would bring a man into my life or somebody to speak into my life to um, shaking me out of this selfishness that I was in. Because I got all excited to see, well, God, he wants me to be a pastor. And, you know, yes, uh, after all these years, you know, I'm going to finally serve him. But she was bang on. She was spot on. And my friend, um, Paul, he met me and he said, and I explained things to him. And he, he gave me these words of advice. He says, Gary, he says, yes, you're being called. 
He says, but you need to get on your knees and pray, brother. And I did. And I got up every morning at half past five and I spent time with God on me. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And I'll never forget, it was on a Thursday morning after a conversation I'd had with my daughters the night before. And I had this, <laughs> the Lord really reminded me of Abraham and Isaac, where he's going to sacrifice Isaac and the Lord says no. And it was like words, now I know your heart, good and faithful servant, the time's not right. And I just knew then that I was striving in my own will and now wasn't the right time. And a couple of years after that, um, things then started to take shape on the island for, and for us to move, <clears throat> to move over here. So, I mean, my goodness me, any spirit-filled God-fearing men, if your wife is walking with the Lord, you've got to listen to them. <laughs> That's great. When, when, when you talk, you speak as if you have an, uh, such an open thinking of the leading of the Holy Spirit. Can, can you talk about that? Because you said in your early life you knew of the Father and, and Christ the Son, but, but where, where where's, does the Spirit come into it? And how important is it for Christians who are listening to really understand the Holy Spirit, do you think? I've um, experienced experiential Christianity, Keith. Uh, I need to explain it this way. And I... I saw things that were going on in the church around the world that made me feel very, very, very uneasy. And, and I believed in my heart that there were not things from God. And, and I thought people were taking things to the extreme. I didn't believe that God would manifest himself by his spirit in the way these people were claiming to be touched by God, etc., etc. Yeah. And as I've, as I've come away and I'm, I've spent... We've been here seven months now. In the last few months, I've been really, really getting stuck into the doctrines, um, really reading the Bible more, spending more time with God um, and through the scriptures. I've come to a deep understanding and that for me anyway, this is a personal thing. So experiential Christianity can be a real dangerous thing. We have been given the word of God and through that word, he will speak to us. And I, as I grow in my faith and I, I come to know and understand, there's things, you know, that um, this idea of sanctification, I being changed from the inside out. It's so important to understand that. And I, I would say to people that, yes, the Holy Spirit, Israel, he is, and he will manifest himself within you. He will reveal himself more and more through the scriptures. As I read them, I, I can testify to that. But more importantly, he needs to change you from the inside out. And you need to be filled with the fruits of the spirit. And when you're filled with the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, um, Galatians 5. 21 I think it is um, then you can understand what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life and it's taken me 
to come away and to spend times with Debs and to spend times with God, to spend times reading the scriptures, just to understand and to pray more and more what God's revealing through the scriptures. I've, I've, I've had to come away to understand that there's things going on in the church that I do not believe are from God. I really don't. And I think they can be very, very dangerous and damaging to those um, who've given themselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. And I'm in agreement. I mean, when you were mentioning uh, the prosperity gospel, the gospel that preaches health, wealth and happiness, it's a, it's a dangerous gospel to be peddling and preaching and not only that when you when you read the book of acts if you believe in the prosperity gospel god really didn't like any of the disciples and because they lost more than they gained fight like worldly but spiritually they they grew um yeah uh, i've been um Whilst I've been here, I, you know, we've been praying that the Lord will, you know, reveal things more and more to us, and and He has to be to be truthful. He's he, he led me alongside a little church called Lanzarote Christian Fellowship, and I met with all the pastors on the island when I turned up, you know, and I said I'm here if you ever need help in any way. And the pastor of this little church approached me and I said, Gary, you know, would you would you mind? He talked to me about my theology and um, my understanding of what a Christian is and who a Christian is and what idea of a church is and he said what well, I would help him so and I said yes I would and I've been preaching uh, we've been doing preaching on zoom um, I've been leading bible studies we're going through the book of Romans at the minute which is very enlightening but more more we Adrian the, the minister he he says well, we're going to preach on the Beatitudes and I tell you what Keith my goodness me the Beatitudes are to be lived. <laughs> it's about self-examination. And, and I, have, I have been dragged over the coals in my studying these Beatitudes. And, and when Jesus, I can just see him gathering, his, gathering the disciples and extort, extolling these wonderful truths of who we are as Christians and what we should be doing as Christians. It's blooming heck. It's so powerful. Yeah. And this is what we need to be doing every single day. And just living a life of faith as, as the Good Shepherd wants us to live. It's, it's really powerful stuff. Absolutely. And uh, the Beatitudes, if you want to read them, is in uh, Matthew chapter 5 in the, the Bible, <laughs> the first book of the New Testament. What would you say, just to round off this uh, conversation, it's been brilliant having you and I love chatting with you and what would you say to anyone who doesn't know Jesus right now? What would you say to them right now? From my point of view, knowing who I am as a man, all I know is I'm absolutely nothing without Jesus in my life. I, um, I've never felt alone in my walk with him. The mercy and the goodness that he shows me on a daily basis is something I can't sometimes get my head around. And I, there's things in this world that repulse me. And I, 
my heart goes out to those who don't know Jesus, I'll be honest with you, Keith. They need, they need Jesus in their lives. And I come to an understanding of how damaging religion can be. But, you know, Christianity, it's about a, a relationship with a loving heavenly father who loved you so much that he gave his one and only son to die for you on a cross and the most horrendous of deaths. And as a serviceman, you know, you see, I see, I saw death, but the death that Jesus Christ was submitted to on that cross is just beyond belief. And he done it because he loves you. And I pray that if anybody's listening to this, that they ask the Lord Jesus Christ to reveal more of himself to them. And if I can help somebody in any way, you know, I'm happy to have a chat with them, or I'm sure you are as well, Keith. Um, but please, there's going to be a time where it's going to be too late. And that's the reality of what the Bible says. There's going to be a time where he is going to be coming back because everything that's in the Bible has been fulfilled and it will continue to be fulfilled when he comes back again. And, and I would not want to be without Jesus in a fallen world. I, I wouldn't. Yeah. So please ask him to reveal more of himself to you. And if you want to seek God more than, you know, there's, there's people I'm sure Keith will point in the right direction and I certainly would as well. Yeah, that's great. Let me just uh, pray for you if that's all right, Gary, and I'll pray for those who are listening as well and we'll come to an end of this. But as Gary says, if you want to send us a message or you've got questions, we can get those uh, across as well. Let me just pray for us right now. Our Father in heaven, I thank you for my brother. I thank you for his testimony. I thank you for his walk. Lord, the future is unknown, but you are the one who holds it for us. And I thank you for that truth and that we can walk boldly in knowing what you have laid out for us as good. And I pray for those who may not know you. I pray that your Holy Spirit will reveal Jesus to them. And Lord, for those who do know you and are hearing these words lord i pray that your holy spirit will allow your presence to be known to them where they are right now and on this lockdown allow these words to impact for the glory of jesus because this is what it's all about yes lifting your name high jesus and we thank you that that was done today in that precious name amen amen well once again thank you very much for joining us on our podcast thank you for uh, Gary, thank you for tuning in and thank you for listening. God bless.